Welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. Well, today we just wanted to, to, to talk about surgeries, uh, the different uh, weight loss uh, surgeries we do, uh, some of the ones that were out there in the, in the past, uh, uh, surgeries we don't do, uh, and kind of the reasonings behind those. And uh, so we'll, we'll jump in there. Jump in there. This is an easy talk, topic to talk about. We talk about this every day. Yeah, a few uh, times a day. A few times a day. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I think let's just go over the all of them. Okay. Because that's something I think, uh, you know, as a patient, you're out there Googling and you're learning about, you hear about bands and gastric bypass. And so let's just talk about all the different ones. Yeah. Don't forget about TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Lots of, lots well, of Hopefully talk. we're going to get us a TikTok account maybe. If somebody manages it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, there's, there's kind of four surgeries in my mind, would you say yeah. the kind of the same thing? There's probably five surgeries in the history, or actually probably like six or seven different yeah. surgeries, but uh, let's, we'll go through, let's talk about the vertical banded gastroplasty first, because that's a surgery nobody does anymore. Which we still see in the community. Uh, patients basically had stomach stapling, that's kind of how it's referred to. Yeah, so it was always a big incision. Uh, there was really no way of doing it uh, without making a big incision. But they would uh, kind of take the uh, football-shaped stomach and staple a hole right in the middle of it. Yeah. And then they would use non-cutting staples to create like sort of like a sleeve, uh, but they were leaving the stomach in. Correct. So, and then that hole they punched in the stomach, they would wrap a band around that. Correct. To, I guess in theory, to, pre- to prevent it from, from uh, expanding. Yeah. Would you, yeah. pretty good description? Yep. Okay. Well, these surgeries are absolutely horrendous, yeah. um, and you know you may have family members. I mean, I don't think they've done vertical banded gastroplasties in probably 20, 25 right. years, correct? Because they were so bad. They saw so many problems with them. Um, the things we see now, uh, people come in completely obstructed. Yeah. That mesh is eroded. Uh, they're vomiting. They can't tolerate things, or they're they're bleeding. Uh, what other things? Complete regain of weight because a lot of times when they stapled the stomach, um, basically it reconnected. Yeah, because essence. they weren't removing it; they Correct. were just firing a stapler across it. Uh, so hopefully nobody out there is doing vertical banded gastroplasties anymore. If you're watching this and you have a surgeon that proposed it, run as yeah. fast as you can. Don't do it away from that guy. Uh, but and, I don't think that's an issue. So, and if you've had it, that's what we always do: is you know look at other options, um, revision options to help with weight loss. Which we can go down that road, or I say we don't. Yeah. Cool. Well, we can handle uh, if you're having problem. You know, we can do a different uh, yeah. discussion on that. If you've had a surgery way back in the past and you're experiencing certain things, we can we can do a whole other episode on that. What about the lap band? Lap band. So I'm I'm not for the lap yeah. band. Uh, I think we kind of have the same philosophies on why we don't like the lap band. So why don't you tell us what it is? So real popular about 20 years ago, and the way it was advertised was it's reversible. Um, yeah. You can get a little band put, put around the top of your stomach. There's a little tubing 
that goes to a little port that sits underneath the skin and it could be adjusted and basically helped control portion or have portion control. Yeah, now, I think it was meant to control portions, but what does it actually do? It uh, makes people vomit. Yeah, that's so, what, that's so what it's that's just what. a restrict, it's just trying to choke down the passageway into the stomach. Uh, so I think, to me, there's a, a couple problems with that philosophy. Number one, we want to do a surgery that helps you eat healthy foods. Uh, with a band, you know, eating a piece of chicken or having a salad or a steak was pretty much impossible. Yeah. But ice cream shakes went down really nicely, didn't cause any problems. And what I tell my patients is it created, uh, they had... When a patient went to get a lap band, their intention was to become healthier and lose weight, but it created this maladaptive eating and particularly carbs and sugar and things like that. And so it's it was counterproductive. Yeah, I'd say counterproductive is a good. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple other things I find wrong with it. Uh, number one, uh, or I guess we're number two now. Uh, so you have your whole stomach in there and your stomach itself is what you know, as it expands is what sends signals to your brain about how full you are. You know, the stretch receptors of the stomach, the density receptors of the stomach. So you have this device that's making it hard for food to go down, but you got a stomach that's completely decompressed. So you have this constant desire to want to eat mm -hmm. because you can't eat enough to, to feel fullness, but you eat and feel miserable. So, you know, you're eating to feel miserable or you're eating to feel full. So it's, to me, it was like a, just a horrible idea. Um, so, you know, a few of the things we find, you know, so we take a lot of these out, mm -hmm. right? And we're converting them to either a sleeve or a, a duodenal switch, which we're gonna get to. Um, I think at first we found that fairly intimidating to take that band off and get the rind off of there. But, you know, after 10 years of doing this, we, we do all that in one setting. Yeah, and take, you go home the same day. Yeah, take the band off, take the rind off, and do and can do the other surgery, and that's I wouldn't say that's uh, like not every surgeon's doing that right. There's right. still some that take it off and let, make you wait six months, yeah. eight months, three months, six yeah. Months. So, and I'd say just to sum it up, the band was basically advertised as a really good thing. It turned out not to be a good thing. Weight loss, I'd say, I quote. 30% of patients or, or less are happy with their weight loss. Uh, lots of vomiting, um, lots of reflux, maladaptive eating behaviors. So it, I don't recommend it, we don't perform it, and it's I think less than 1% of all operations in the United States anymore, so it's not something that I would do. Um, yeah. I think patients can still get them in Mexico or rarely in the United States, but I advise against it. Yeah, they're big in Australia. That's where they did most of the yeah. research initially, I think. Yeah. 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 So gastric bypass, you want to start with that one? Well, how long do you want to spend beating up on the gastric <laughs> bypass? So I'd say Bo and I both, the, this, this is what most patients, when they heard of a bariatric surgery in the past 10, 20 years, was a gastric bypass. That's what we were trained, I was trained mostly on. Made famous by TLC, you know? Yeah. 600 pound line? Yeah, yeah, all gastric bypasses. Yeah. So. so here's what, it's still, I'd say good for weight loss, but what we've seen over the years is it also has a lot of um, long-term problems. Yeah. 
uh, regain a weight swan. I quote 30 to 50 percent. Um, let me just let's talk a little bit about what that is. What do we do with that surgery first before we? Yeah, talk about the anatomy, the and then we'll go into the why we've kind of moved away from it. So we go in laparoscopically, so small incisions takes about an hour. Um, usually keep patients overnight with this surgery, uh, but we do two things. One, we carve out a little pouch. So imagine you have a stomach that's the size of a football. We carve out a little pouch about the size of a big walnut, maybe a little bit bigger, okay? Like a really or, big walnut. Yeah. And then the second thing that we do is, is we basically bypass about half of the intestine. Um, oh no, correction, a third of the intestine. And, now, all, and all of the stomach. Correct. Yeah. And that's why we don't like it. Because we're gonna talk about two other surgeries here in a bit, and with them we keep the, the valve that empties the stomach, the pyloric valve. And with the gastric bypass, we're bypassing that valve. We feel like that God-given valve is important, and we'll jump into that in just a bit. So weight loss is good. Uh, with the gastric bypass, it's quoted, I think, 65 to 70% of, say if you need to lose 100 pounds, you're gonna lose 65 to 70 pounds over a year. Under a BMI of 50. Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, now, here's what we see. Lots of regain of weight. When you regain weight with this surgery, it's, it's hard to revise it. Marginal ulcers. When you hook a piece of intestine to the stomach, you bathe that connection, that artificial connection with acid, and it's very prone to getting ulcers. I tell people the stomach's designed to see acid. The small intestine's not. And so you're, I think we're gonna to get to talking about the pyloric valve in a second. But the, your, your native stomach, your natural stomach, uh, has a valve at the end of it called the pyloric valve. And its job is kind of a couple fold. Number one, is a, a, to me it's a density receptor. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't allow food in the stomach to go on to the intestines until it's broken down and liquidy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's its number, to me that's its number one role. But number two, it also protects that small bowel from seeing a heavy, unabated acid load because yeah. uh, it holds it in the stomach, lets it mix, and then it allows it to come over. So when you take that valve out of play, now you've thrown off all the, the functionality and protective mechanism of the pyloric valve and the stomach. And also that valve controls, you know, helps with insulin and glucose response because it puts just a little bit of food into the intestine to allow our pancreas to release the amount of insulin it needs to keep our blood sugar real control. With the gastric bypass, we don't have that valve and we see these really wide swings in glucose uh, going and, real and high an and going yep. real low and, and then you have to eat to kind of catch up with that. So that's part of the regain of weight long term. Yeah, so um, we were talking about ulcers and yeah. so we, I think we had to explain the pyloric valve to under, you know, understand why we see ulcers in gastric bypass patients. So ulcers, um, another thing related to that connection is over time that connection between the stomach and the intestine, it can dilate and you can, you know, you don't get the portion control yep. long term. Or opposite, it could stricture. Yep, and, and you're throwing up all the time. Now you're throwing up all the time. Yeah. Um, Internal hernias, yeah, that's another thing. And it's just the way that we configure everything that um, it's basically a bowel obstruction that can happen anytime from surgery till, uh, till death. 
till death. Till, yeah, till the end of your life. So uh, a lot of times we'll get called from the emergency room for two reasons, an internal hernia with a bowel obstruction or a marginal ulcer. Yeah. It's bleeding or perforated. Yeah. So internal hernias are, you know, we're dividing the small intestine to, to hook it up to the stomach. So now you have kind of this abnormal area of communication that wasn't there prior to the gastric bypass. And as surgeons, we try to close that uh, by using sutures, but it's not 100%. And as you lose weight, you lose some of that fat tissue yeah, around so it just that. Pulls so it kind of pulls away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else with the gastro bypass? Dumping, now, uh, so dumping syndrome, that's a big question by most patients because they think all bariatric surgery or all weight loss surgery has the side effect of dumping syndrome. So what is dumping syndrome? So dumping syndrome is very specific to the gastric bypass. You only Correct. see it with the gastric bypass. And it's when you eat a heavy carbohydrate meal and that pyloric valve is not there to hold that food unprocessed into the stomach. So now you have those unprocessed, carbo unprocessed carbohydrates coming directly into the small intestine. Well, you know, it's, not, it's not supposed to be that way. And so the, the intestine react in a way of, hey, we wanna get this through here and get it out. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of hormonal uh, components to that. But the, the take home here is we got solid food in a spot where it's not supposed to be, bunch of hormonal reactions, and then all of a sudden you got diarrhea. So I eat two minutes later, I'm, you know, that's coming out the other end. Yeah. And that's specific to carbohydrates and specific to the gastric bypass. Yeah. As kids, that valve, we're bypassing that valve. Right. It's yep. gone. Um, now, we do still do the gastric bypass in certain patients. Um, usually, that's a scenario where if they've had a sleeve and that, that sleeve is strictured, significant reflux, um, vomiting a lot, then the option of, of dealing with that issue with a strictured sleeve would be to convert to a gastric bypass. That's usually how we use the gastric bypass. Yeah, I'd say you know, my algorithm, so you have a sleeve and you're struggling with reflux, but you have good anatomy to your sleeve, then we're, we're gonna deal with your reflux. Yeah. If you have a sleeve, you come in, I have reflux, but I'm also vomiting pretty frequently. Uh, and I think we'll talk about this when we get to the sleeve, but depending on when you had your sleeve and depending on which surgeon did your sleeve, there's a bunch of anatomical variations. And one of those can create a very narrow distal part of the sleeve. And if that's a situation, you can't really modify that sleeve. You can't fix that hiatal hernia. You've got to perform a gastric bypass to bypass that narrowed area of the sleeve. Yeah, which works really good. Yeah. It's we just try to avoid doing the gastric bypass as a primary surgery. Yeah, but in that situation, that is the best surgery. Yeah. Let's talk about the sleeve. So very popular surgery, I'd say right now it is the um, probably most popular surgery in the United yeah. States worldwide. Um, worldwide. Um, Give or take. So, so what we do with the sleeve, I'll take this one. Uh, we do it yeah. laparoscopically. So little, five little small incisions, takes about 30 minutes. 22 to, 22 to 30 minutes. Uh, can go home the same day. I always quote that uh, patients can usually, a week or less off work. Uh, there's some patients that if they have a, a desk job or they work from home, that we can do this on Thursday and by Monday or Tuesday they're back to work. Um, what we do, we take your stomach, which can be the size of a football, 
we make it like a banana? Yeah, by, by stapling it and removing. I think that's a common misconception when people hear the word sleeve is they think something's wrapped around the stomach. A foreign body. Yeah. yeah, so nothing's wrapped around the stomach. We're literally cutting a part of the stomach off and you're left with a long tubular stomach that looks like a shirt sleeve. So that's kind of where it got its name. Um, back to you. And then, so portion size about the palm of, palm of your hand. And this is where always a lot of men particularly are always like, you know, Dr. Blue, are you going to take away my enjoyment of eating? And I always, always quote this because I always like to hear back from men, but they always tell me after surgery they still can eat steak, some vegetables, they enjoy it, they just fill up a lot quicker. They just wish they would have done it a lot, uh, you know, five, ten years ago. Yeah, kind of my way of thinking of the sleeve is, is two things go into eating. There's how much we eat, and then there's also what we eat. Right, so after the surgery, uh, after a sleeve uh, and a switch, but uh, after after one of these surgeries, we don't want. I don't want my patients concerned about volume anymore. Eat till you're full. Eat till you're satisfied. No calorie counting. No weighing foods. Eat till you're full. But I want that to freely, you know, uh, completely free you up to be concerned about what I eat. Yeah. Right. The content. Right, and because you know, I think. You know, like you were saying with guys, like they get this satisfaction out of eating a large volume of food because it takes that much to, to make them full. full. So afterwards, they're going to feel full, so they're still getting the enjoyment. And content. And content. But I can focus more on better foods, yeah. higher quality foods. Yeah. What, what would, uh, if you had a patient, what is the ideal meal? Give me an idea of if you had a patient three months out and they're picking yeah. breakfast and dinner. Uh, so no lunch, just breakfast and dinner? We're just picking two meals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, bre- uh, breakfast, I mean, that's, that's like a couple eggs and, uh, you know, uh, either a piece of ham or a piece of sausage or a piece of bacon uh, or like, you know, one of my favorites is like cottage cheese and those ground hemp hearts mm-hmm. with a small little drizzle of honey, not mm-hmm. much, just enough to give it a little little flavor uh so you know you're, you're probably eating what a half a cup of that mm-hmm. um what other breakfast options uh you, you know you the the schneider john famous morning scramble no, so, I love it. so a couple eggs some yeah. vegetables sauteed in there um but you're eating a pretty pretty normal you know breakfast uh dinner for me personally and also what i would recommend to my patients would you know pick a meat pick a vegetable that's great um you know that meat could be pork um, you know, steak, uh, venison, chicken, turkey, you know, fish, uh, and then uh, uh, an appropriately picked vegetable. And for, for me, that's like a, you know, a green bean or a, a broccoli or cauliflower, asparagus, Brussels sprout. But that's pretty much my dinner is one meat, one vegetable, and then usually a, a, like a salad. But, you know, with a with a sleeve, with a switch, I don't know if you're gonna get all three of those varieties in there. What, uh, when we do a sleeve, a lot of questions I get is, am I gonna still be able to eat a lot of the things that I did before? Within reason, right? So uh, I think the biggest things people wanna know is like, can I still eat bread? Yes, you can still eat bread. Uh, is it gonna give you some problems that, you know, the first few months? I would say, yeah. Always describe it this. Imagine taking bread and putting it in water. Uh-huh. It swells. And so I think that's what happens, what patients feel when they're eating bread after surgery. 
Yeah. As it gets in their stomach, it just fills them up real quick. And it can make them a little bit just overfull. Yeah. And so they don't tend to like it as much. Would you agree? I agree. But I'd say that changes two years out, right? So that yeah. people learn how to navigate that feeling. And uh, so, you know, long-term results are going to come down to lifestyle. Is, is eating a ton of bread uh, conducive to losing weight and keeping it off? No. no, it's not. And that's why I think you get back to, you had mentioned it's all about what you choose, content. Right, it's content. And, and always look, to, look at this surgery this way, Bo. Um, it's like being able to hit the reset button. And we'll jump into it, but it, it resets hormonally everything. Insulin resistance, a lot of the you know, appetite, things like that. But, but it's what you do from that point. And if you had, have had bad habits of eating a lot of sugar, a lot of carbs, soft drinks, lots of alcohol, and you go into the surgery and you don't change that, you're gonna lose some weight, but ultimately it comes back. So you've got an opportunity to really change things that, from that point, and that's the key to, to, to long-term keeping it off. Would you agree? Yeah. I say, uh, just in, you know, we talk about processed carbohydrates. Uh, so you know, whether it's candy, whether it's a you know, cookie, but nobody really lumps bread in with processed carbohydrates. And that's all it is, is a processed carbohydrate, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. uh, rice? Uh, depending on what type of rice. Okay. Uh, so it's, I mean, obviously it's minimally processed. Um, but you know, rice and surgery, you know, you wanna talk about what people say about? Uh, same thing with bread. I, yeah. I feel like, yes, you can eat it, but you tend to get full, it tends to swell. Um, Rice, bread, um, those are the two that I get as far as a Car carbonated beverages is Correct. another. Yeah. Um, and when you say that, should they not do it? Why do we advise against it? What's well, the, fir the first few months, it's going to make you feel miserable. Yeah. Uh, if you eat a big piece of bread or you, you know, eat a big bowl of rice or you try to down a Coke just because everything's, you know, swollen and, you know, it's trying to heal and, um, but you know, you know, I, I, you, t you talk to some patients, you know, five years out, and they can eat those things. Yeah. Uh, they can drink that beer. They can drink that Coke. They're still not like super comfortable, like, but they tolerate it. Um, but those are things that you know we w we hope people are going to try to limit in the future, anyways. Right. So going back hormonally, to, you know, what happens with the sleep? Why it's not just we know it's not just portion control it's not just cutting the calories down what do you feel like hormonally is happening when we do a sleeve that helps patients yeah i think the 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 one hormone everybody focuses on with a sleeve is ghrelin mm. um, ghrelin is a hormone that's produced in the part of the stomach that we're removing mm -hmm. um, so uh, everybody calls ghrelin an appetite stimulant it's the appetite hormone. I don't think it's the end-all be-all for appetite, uh, but it does have some effect. So, you know, some people will report, I, I tell people probably 40, 50% experience a pretty good reduction in appetite afterwards. Uh, now, I don't think that lasts uh, because the body is very smart. It's gonna figure out how to produce it in other areas. Yeah. Uh, so I think ghrelin, you're getting a reduction in ghrelin. Uh, you're having some control of appetite, uh, but that's almost like a bad thing in my opinion because we want people eating, right? We don't want you suppressing your calories to 
600, 800 for three to six months. Would, do you agree with that? I agree. I think yeah. sometimes it gets to be counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, if you're not lean at all, uh, if your body starts really slowing its metabolism down. So, you know, hormonally, and I, I'm struggling to find which ones you want me to talk about, but. GLP-1, we talk about yeah. this. I think there's a definitely, there's a reset in insulin resistance after sur after surgery. Well, so I was gonna go there. So there's a uh, insulin, adiponectin, leptin reset. And, I, I, but I think you have to put in the the food choice legwork after a sleeve yeah. to get that change to a point where it's gonna be sustainable. So if you come into the surgery, I'm gonna get a sleeve, I'm gonna eat less food, but you don't change your diet, you're not gonna get the effect, the hormone effect that you would if you really cleaned up your diet and put some, some time into understanding nutrition. Yeah. I wanna walk patients through this because I think this is a, a key part that you just touched on. So when we design the pre-op diet and the post-op diet with a sleeve or a switch, what it's designed to do is to get all the sugar and processed carbs out of your diet. And most of our patients, including me, if I eat bad for a week or two, I'm eating a lot of sugar, processed carbs, my body loses the ability to be metabolically flexible and burn fat. It wants to burn carbs, it wants sugar. So that pre and post-op diet is designed to take our bodies uh, through a time period where it can become metabolically flexible and can burn fat. Yeah. And what the key is, we've got to continue to make good food choices after that, or you get six months down the road, all of a sudden we start regaining weight if we're not making those lifestyle changes. Yeah. Agree? Agree. Did we cover the hormones? Hormones. Um, so, what's the downside with a sleeve? Yeah. You go what, through a few. What's my downside? Yeah, what's what's the risk of the? Uh, so, in the risk with any weight loss surgery, the, the two big ones are gonna be a leak and a bleed. So a leak meaning something we stapled, something we sewed together is now busted open. Mm -hmm. It's obviously not good. You don't wanna go through it. We don't want you to go through it. Uh, now, luckily, you know, if, if, over the past 10 years, your leak rates and bleed rates have, have gone down drastically. Yeah. Uh, our clinic, I'd say leak rate is probably 0.01, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. So probably one every two to three years. Yeah. Uh, so very rare. Bleeding's more common, but still fairly rare. I'd say probably like a 0.2% chance of, of, a, of a bleed. Uh, bleeds are manageable. Uh, we're not dealing with any major arteries uh, with this surgery. Um, but those are the two major components. I think uh, specifically to a sleeve, and the sleeve gets beat up uh, in this area, but to me, all weight loss surgery has the ability to potentially cause reflux, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, you know, the, 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 the surgeons and the kind of the group that really push gastric bypass say that you should do it when people have reflux. I disagree um, because I think reflux is too prone. There, sometimes there's anatomy issues. Sometimes it's purely related to weight. So just losing weight, your reflux is gonna go away. Yeah. So I think with reflux on, on our end, on the surgeon end, I, I just don't wanna create reflux, right? I, I wanna help you, if you have reflux coming in the surgery, we want to, to get that reflux to go away. So I don't wanna do a surgery that could potentially make you have reflux, which can happen. I'd say in a sleeve, probably 5% five, 5 
five to seven percent if done correctly it's very low yeah i think most patients i think i think just in general about 70 percent of patients have reflux before they ever have surgery but usually most of them that reflux will improve there may be some that it persists and that's an anatomy issue or, or something else that can be dealt with yeah and regain uh, weight that's one thing with the sleeve i i reiterate i think it can be anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of patients and so you got to make lifestyle changes you have to work hard with the surgery yeah and when you say regain a weight like what percentage of weight regain are you you're not going to regain it all back yeah um, you have to really work hard to do that yeah but uh so all that to say the sleeve is a great tool uh to help you with volume to help you with some of those hormones it's not a great tool for food selection uh, outside of, you know, making it a little uncomfortable to eat bread and rice. Um, but, you know, I can't emphasize this enough. With the sleeve and the switch, uh, you got a great tool. It's up to you to use it. Uh, and when I say use it, that lifestyle component. Uh, none of these surgeries are magical. Um, I wish they were. Uh, I wish surgery was an easy button, but it's not. That's not. Um, and so doing the sleeve puts you in control of it, it. I think it simplifies things. I don't have to wait. I don't have to worry about how much I eat. I just need to focus on what I eat. Yeah. Uh, with a sleeve, everything you eat, you absorb. So that's another thing we need to point out. That's, that's no what intestinal changes yeah. or anything. Like so we're not rerouting intestine. We're not bypassing the stomach. We're just making the stomach smaller. Yeah. So in my opinion, the sleeve is probably the most straightforward operation. Yeah. Right. And that's why I think most of the time when we sit down with patients in their initial visit, they've, they want to sleep because it's simple or they know of someone that's had it. And, and then that leads us into the other option that we talk about or offer is a doodle switch. Um, how do we come to start offering this? Why? Yeah, so when we first started our practice, we were doing sleeves and gastric bypasses. Um, gastric bypass, you know, if, if you're a bariatric surgeon, you're taking enough emergency room call, like you just kind of get burnout on gastric bypasses with yeah. chronic abdominal pain, chronic, you know, diarrhea with dumping syndrome or ulcers, perforated ulcers, bleeding ulcers, bowel obstructions. Um, so, you know, I think in our mind, we were like, there's just, there has to be a better, a better tool for patients, right? That's kind of what led us to, to that. So the doodle switch has been around for many, many years, but there's two versions. There's an old traditional one, uh, which basically it, you do a sleeve, okay? Uh, but then you do an intestinal bypass, so you bypass about half of your small bowel. But there's two different connections, and it's, it's, that can get complicated. Instead, we do a version that there's one connection. It's called a, a loop switch or a SADI, a single anastomosis switch. Um, Here's what I, I'll say that, one, um, the, the doodle switch is the most effective operation that exists. So I quote 90% of patients um, can lose their excess weight. So if you need to lose 100 pounds, you can lose up to 90. Um, number two, it's the most durable. So anywhere from five to 10% of patients, long-term will keep their weight off, which is pretty awesome, if you make the lifestyle changes. Um, very effective on diabetes. So 90% remission of di type two diabetes within about 48 hours. Um, 
to one of the things. You want to explain more of the details of, of what we do? Yeah. With that uh, so sleeve, uh, just like we talked about, and then we we prefer to give people common absorption length. So we measure from the colon going back into the small intestine, and that's what we suture. Uh, that's what we bypass to. Um, the uh, the kind of science behind it, and it, this is the same. This science also applies to the gastric bypass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, you know, the benefit of the gastric bypass is you are getting that intestinal uh, bypass component. So you are getting that hormonal benefit. The the bad thing with the gastric bypass being you you bypass the pyloric valve. So what, what's going on there, from from my understanding, and you know, this is a ever evolving uh, scientific chase, uh, but you're changing the way your body reabsorbs bile and pancreatic juices, mm-hmm. right? So uh, specifically, since we're diverting and rerouting the bile from the liver, which helps you break down fats and absorb certain things, your body will reabsorb those things. And so when that fluid actually gets back to your food because of our bypass, it's diminished the hormonal response that your body gives to the foods that you've eaten. So now we've got a a volume control tool, but now we are manipulating how your body responds to foods, right? And most of that's through the the ILP-1, GLP-1 upregulation, which then drastically corrects your insulin sensitivity, which drastically corrects your adiponectin sensitivity and your leptin sensitivity. So that's what makes it more aggressive. Yeah. So what I love about the switch, you're getting a sleeve, uh, which you're able to enjoy a little bit more portion than the gastric bypass. Uh, you're maintaining the pyloric valve, so you're not getting the dumping syndrome. Um, you've got, over time, that valve can't be stretched out because it's a God-given valve there. And so you maintain that portion control long-term and less regain weight. You don't get the glucose swings um, with a, like a gastric bypass. Um, you get all those hormonal uh, effects, which is pretty cool to see a, a type two diabetic who's on lots of insulin. You know, within 24 to 48 hours, they're off of all their insulin. It's amazing. Uh, and then the weight loss—you just don't. You know, patients just do well. They don't see the regain of weight. Uh, you don't get marginal ulcers. You don't get the bowel obstructions. So we we really like this operation. Uh, who do we who do we recommend this to? Uh, so kind of talking about who gets what, Yeah, is that right? Um, so kind of in my mind, I think we're fairly similar in thinking on this. Uh, I think a sleeve functions very well, uh, BMI 42, 43 or less yeah. without diabetes. Um, and then over a BMI of 42, 43 and above, you know, I lean more towards the duodenal switch. Uh, specifically if they have diabetes. Now, those are kind of gray areas for me because it, depending on the person, um, I think you were gonna talk about metabolic rates. Uh, we, we test everybody's metabolism. Uh, and you know, it, it's, it's probably a whole other podcast on what we think metabolo- metabolism is. But you know, if, you, if you've got a lot of hormonal irregularities and that's led to a very diminished metabolism uh, I'm not producing energy, I'm not burning energy, however you want to think of it, the, the sleeve doesn't do well in that patient either. Yeah. So, you know, and I think it, to me it's more because of the, the hormonal 
irregularities that the switch can do. I think a lot of people kind of think, well, I'm not eating as much and now I'm not absorbing as much. That's why it works. And to me, I, I, that's not the way I think of it. It's all hormonal. I think it's correct. It's doing a better job of correcting those hormonal abnormalities. So, and you can, there's some kind of telltale signs when you talk to people about whether how, the, how they came into the surgery eating or medical issues they're dealing with. You can kind of, you know, eyeball who's struggling metabolically or hormonally. And it's not always a diabetic, right? Would you agree with that? No, and I think this is a whole nother podcast, but we could talk. It's I think, at we, a, I think it's we've at just, a, we should keep a, a list. I think we've mentioned A like mitochondrial six. level yeah. that just uh, patients, their metabolism truly is in the gutter and it's all because of insulin resistance and a bunch of other inflammation, things like that. Uh, so here's what my general criteria, if you need to lose 100 pounds or less, you're young, pretty motivated, um, and your metabolism is decent, and we do check that in our office, then I think you can do well with a sleeve, knowing that you really have to work at it, you have to exercise, you have to eat right, or that weight will come back. Uh, above 100 pounds, um, the switch I start leaning towards, diabetes, um, low metabolism, not real active, uh, having maybe knee issues, things like that, then, then the switch I think is a, a better option. You're gonna have better weight loss and, and less chance of it coming back. What about potential side effects of the duodenal switch? So things that I always kind of risk with my patients is number one, you gotta be committed to taking a good vitamin the rest of your life. We're gonna recommend that with the sleeve and any, any surgery, but if you quit and do not take this, a good bariatric vitamin, then you can see deficiencies with the switch. And you have to be committed to having uh, your vitamins checked. We usually do it at six months and then a year, and then yearly thereafter. So you gotta be engaged in your care, being willing to follow up. Um, the other thing is more frequent stools. Uh, I quote anywhere from one to three bowel movements, bowel movements a day. And if you eat something greasy or fried, uh, they tend to be stinky. Um, and then you gotta give your body good nutrition, good protein intake, balanced nutrition, or patients can lose too much weight or uh, just not be healthy looking. So you gotta be on top of your game in that. Yeah, I tend to tell people, you know, cause a lot of times, hey, you've gotta take a vitamin or hey, you need to focus on nutrition. Oh my God, it sounds intimidating, but no matter who you are, no matter if you've had surgery or not, this is the same advice I'm gonna give everybody. I think anybody that's into health and wellness, anybody that's you know, trying to lose weight and get healthy, or if, they're, if they are healthy and they wanna stay healthy, you're supplementing something, right? There's just certain things that we as Americans are naturally deficient in, vitamin D being one of them, mm -hmm. you know, all of your B vitamins, B6, B12, um, folate, I mean, our, our food's just not what it needs to be. So if we're gonna do a surgery that alters that a little bit, you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to focus on that. But still, like I, I personally, I tell people, if you saw the amount of vitamins I took, you'd, you'd probably think that I'm crazy. But it's that I know a lot about food. So I, lo I know a lot about nutrition. I know that we don't get those things. And there's even some theories out there is that might be the source of obesity, right? Uh, so deficiencies in all we're, we, we are very deficient, not just in vitamins, but like baseline minerals. And, and it produces this desire to want to continue to eat it. And, you know, I think the term we use is overfed, but undernourished. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm getting a lot of calories. I'm not getting what my body needs. My body doesn't get what it needs. It tells the body to eat. I, I, if I was gonna sum up my entire career, I, I believe so wholeheartedly in, in that statement. Uh, I think the way that we produce our food, it doesn't have the nutritional value that it had in the past. And our bodies are constantly looking for those basic things that we're not giving it and we have to consume so many calories to get it. And that's what's leading to our epidemic of obesity. Um, what else I was gonna ask you? So we do the surgery laparoscopically, just like the sleeve, go home the same day, um, a week or less off work. Um, what about if a patient has a sleeve and regains their weight? Yeah. What, what options do they have? Yeah, so that kind of goes back to our previous conversation. That you got there's two options, or I guess three options. Uh, number one, I'm gonna recon, I'm gonna recommit to my lifestyle, yeah. right? Because usually somebody with a sleeve that's regained weight, there's been some either st stress in the family, or the diet's gotten way off, or they're not sleeping well. So like, we, we've got to reevaluate. Or they did great and got content. Yeah. I think that's what. An, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, the lifestyle kind of comes back, yeah. you know. Uh, I've regained weight and I don't have any vomiting or reflux. That surgery, that person, I think is, we convert to a switch, yeah. a duodenal switch, which is a pretty, you know, 20, 30 minute procedure because we're just adding that, that bypass in there. Yeah. Uh, I have a sleeve, I've regained weight, I have horrible reflux, um, and I eat to control my reflux not to be healthy, well, let's, let's address your reflux and then convert to a switch. Same time, we, do, we can do it at the same time. I've got a sleeve, I vomit occasionally, I kind of have baseline nausea, we do a workup and you've got a strictured sleeve, then that's a gastric bypass. Is that the? That's exactly what I would do. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping we were on the same page. Oh, it's great. What else? Um, Couple of surgeries out, like I think surgeries out that are being done across the world, just not so much here in America. The mini gastric bypass, which is there, we're we're doing a, basically a sleeve, but we're still bypassing the pyloric valve. So we have this long tubular stomach, yeah. and then we do a one anastomosis bypass of the small intestine. So I kind of visualize it as, a, as a combination of the gastric bypass and the duodenal switch but for some reason they feel motivated to bypass the pyloric valve. But in my opinion, if you can do all the work to do that, preserve the pyloric valve. Uh, I think the, the reason they're doing a lot of these across the country is you can do it all through staplers. You don't have to, ha you don't have to sew anything. Um, so it's a very cheap, you can make it very cheap, you can make it very safe. Um, they tout it to be better at reflux control, I think, mm -hmm. and a little bit better, uh, better than the gastric bypass at controlling those insulin and glucose swings. Mm -hmm. uh, not a procedure that's done a lot in America, but you know, if you go overseas, India, Asia, Middle, a East. Asia, Middle East, you're gonna see a lot of that. A surgery they're doing in Mexico now called the mini sleeve, right? Which is basically a sleeve, they just give you a bigger stomach. Yeah. Uh, and they're, I think they're really advertising that to the younger under a BMI of 30 or under a BMI of 35, so you don't have a ton of weight to lose. You're still you know, young. Um, I don't know really the premise behind that one, yeah. outside of we're just making it a little bit bigger of a stomach, but we're gonna charge you the same. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I think time will tell on the 
efficacy of that procedure. What about the endoscopic sleeve? So endoscopic sleeve, so we're going in with a scope and we're using a device to suture the inside of your stomach and basically yeah. basically make it to where it can't expand, Yeah. right? Um, and I think it's called the pose procedure. And originally uh, that's what it started out to yeah, be. Yeah, but it didn't, that didn't sell very well. So, yeah. uh, you know, non-surgical sleeve is kind of what they advertise it at. I think a couple of issues there. Number one, those sutures aren't gonna hold long-term. Uh, number two, your stomach's still there it just can't stretch. You're not getting the hormonal changes. So you're not getting the hormonal changes. Yeah. And you're and still I hungry. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. And, and so we did uh, gastric the, balloons, the balloons for yeah. quite a while, which I was a big fan of those initially. I thought, what a great thing to be able just to put a balloon inside the stomach, help patients with portion control. It's removable at six months, but I was super disappointed. Uh, patients were nauseous, they threw up, we had to remove a lot of them. Um, but you're not getting those hormonal controls. And I think that that's what's key with the sleeve, the switch, um, for the weight loss long-term. Yeah. Um, so we don't do the balloon anymore because it's just, it's not a good, or I, well, I don't feel like it's a great procedure. I'd well, rather have a sleeve. A couple of reasons I, I, didn't li I didn't continue doing them. Number one, they're expensive as heck. Yeah. I mean, what each balloon was what, $4,000? Mm -hmm. um, and then you can only leave it in for 90 days? Six months, ideally. I'm bad at math, yeah. so. But some patients, I, I had a patient that um, wouldn't come back, so there's those issues. Yeah, what happened to that patient? Um, ultimately, uh, perforated stomach. Yeah, because it stayed in too long, she yeah. ignored our certified letters and our calls. Correct. Um, so we're not big believers in the balloon. Number one, cost. I mean, you can pay less money and get a sleeve that's something that's gonna help you long term. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, that's my big reason for not doing the balloons. Um, what else? Can't think of any other surgical I think comments. One, I think one thing that we continually to, to drive this point home is these surgeries are tools. They're not magic bullets. We never, I don't ever want to sell it as that. Uh, I think it gives patients the opportunity that if they have tried everything, uh, that it can help them. But you have to make the lifestyle changes, eating healthier. What does that mean? We'd love to teach teach our patients that. Uh, getting more active. Um, sleep, stress sleep. management. It's it's lifestyle. And that's that's the hardest part of this all. Mm -hmm. I, I find every day when I get up, that's that's the most challenging thing. How do you maintain a healthy lifestyle? And it, it requires work. Or a desire. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have the goal. What are you trying to achieve? Right. Okay. I think well, we got it all. I hope we covered it all. All right. Thanks, Enjoyed guys. Enjoyed this. Yeah.